bless God. But you just reminded me about Gregory's reminder. God bless you for that. You're uh, always helping me out. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably a good idea since uh, we have bread and nobody knows it all. We were talking, uh, Joshua, about First Fruits of Zion, and uh, they're real good about the uh, first part. Pardon me, there's three or four different parts of the bird cosmos. Blessing after eating. Um, thank you. God bless you. Um, the first one is for the food, the second one is for the land, and the third one is for Jerusalem, or the other way around? Yeah, yeah the Something third one's like that. for, yeah. And they're, they've got a great song there for uh, for the first one, so we'll sing that when we get to it. We're on page 13, 12. If you can do it in Hebrew, thank you. I know you can do it in Hebrew. God bless you. Yeah. So why don't you, uh, I mean, if you can only, only if you can do it in a mountain accent, can you give me the Song of Ascents? A Song of Ascents. When Adonai will return the captivity into Zion, we will be like dreamers. That our mouth will be filled with laughter and our tongue with glad song. Then they will declare among the nations, Adonai has done greatly with these. Adonai has done greatly with us. We were gladdened, O Adonai. Return our captivity like springs in the desert. Those who tearfully sow will reap in glad song. He who bears the measure of seeds walks among, along weeping, but will return in exaltation, a bearer of his sheaves. May my mouth declare the praise of Adonai, and may all flesh bless his holy name forever. We will bless God from this time and forever. Hallelujah. Give thanks to Adonai for his good, his kindness endures forever. Who can express the mighty acts of Adonai? Who can declare his praise? Behold, I am prepared and ready to perform the positive commandment of Berakat Hamazon, for it is said, and you shall eat, and you shall be satisfied, and you shall bless, and I your God for the good land which he gave you. Wow, three or more. That's good. Okay. Gentlemen, let us bless. Blessed, Blessed be the name of Adonai from this time and forever. Blessed be the name of Adonai from this time and forever. So we're not going to do the bracketed stuff because we don't have a minion. With the permission of the distinguished people present, let us bless he of whose we have eaten. Blessed is he of whose we have eaten and whose goodness we live. Blessed is he of whose we have eaten and to whose goodness we live. Now we get to uh, either sing or read. Let's sing or read. There's not a lot of us to sing. Let's sing. All right, let's see. Let's, uh, we're going to jump over to you so Joshua gets more in tune with the book. <coughs> We thank you, Adonai, our God, because you have given to our forefathers as a heritage a desirable good and spacious land. 
because you removed us, Adonai, our God, from the land of Egypt, and you redeemed us from the house of bondage, for your covenant that you sealed in our flesh, for your Torah that you taught us, and for your statutes that you made known to us, for life, grace, and loving kindness that you granted us, and for the provision of food with which you nourish and sustain us constantly, in every day, in every season, and in the hour. We flip the page at the top, he continues. For all, Adonai, our God, we thank you and bless you. May your name be blessed by the mouth of all the living continuously for all eternity. As it is written, and you shall eat, and you shall be satisfied, and you shall bless Adonai your God for the good land that he gave you. Blessed are you, Adonai, for the land and for the nourishment. Amen. Amen. All right, Joshua. Have mercy. Have mercy, we beg you, Adonai our God, on Israel, your people, on Jerusalem, your city, on Zion, the resting place of your glory, on the monarchy of the house of David, your anointed, and on the great and holy house upon which your name is called. Our God, our Father, tend us, nourish us, sustain us, support us, relieve us. Adonai, our God, grant us speedy relief from all our troubles. Please make us not needful. Adonai, our God, of the gifts of human hands, nor of their loins, but only of your hand that is full, open, holy, and generous, that we may not feel inner shame, nor be humiliated forever and ever. Amen. So it, it's his loans, not his loins, loins. just so we're cool there, loans. yeah. We don't want anybody to get confused who's yeah. listening online, yeah. yeah. All right, first paragraph in the pink, if you would, Joshua. Great job, by the way. Uh, may I bless you, Adonai, our God. Give us rest through your commandments and through the commandments of your seven days, this great and holy Sabbath. For this day is great and holy before you, before you to rest on it and be content on it in love, as ordained by your will. May it be your will, Adonai our God, that there be no distress, grief, or lament on this day of your contentment. And show us, Adonai our God, the consolidation of Zion, your city, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, city of your holiness, for you are the master of salvations and master of consolidations. Down on the bottom, in the white. Rebuild Jerusalem, the holy city, soon in our days. Blessed are you, Adonai, who rebuilt Jerusalem in his mercy. Amen. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, the Almighty, our Father, our King, our Sovereign, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Maker, our Holy One, Holy One of Jacob, our Shepherd, the Shepherd of Israel, the King who is good and who does good for all. For every single day, he did good, he does good, and he will do good to us. He was bountiful with us, he is bountiful with us, and he will forever be bountiful with us. With grace and with kindness and with mercy, with relief, salvation, success, blessing, health, consolation, sustenance, support, mercy, light, peace, and all good. And of all good things, may he never deprive us. The compassionate one. May he reign over us forever. The compassionate one. May he bless you heaven and earth. earth. The compassionate one. May he be praised throughout all generations. May he be glorified through us forever to the ultimate end. And be honored through us forever and for all eternity. The compassionate one. May he sustain us in honor. The compassionate May he break the yoke of oppression from our necks and guide us erect to our land. The compassionate one. May he send us a blessing to this house and the Father. The compassionate one. May, May he send us a light to the prophet. He has rendered for good and proclaimed to us the tidings, salvations, and consolations. All right, all of you say the pink box to me. 
May it be God's will that this host not be ashamed nor humiliated in this world or in the world to come. May he be successful in all his dealings, and may his dealings be successful and conveniently close to him. May no evil impediment reign over his handiwork, and may no semblance of sin or iniquitous thought attach itself to him from this time and forever. I just want to say amen and share with you that we are commanded to practice hospitality, and this is one of the blessings of practicing hospitality. We should dwell on how good God is to me. <laughs> All right. The compassionate one. May he bless the master of this house, the lady of this house, them, their house, their family, all that is theirs. The compassionate one, may he bless me, my wife, all my children, my grandchildren, and all that is mine together, ours and all that is ours, just as our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were blessed in everything, from everything, with everything. So may he bless us all together with a perfect blessing, and let us say, Amen. All right. You know, I think, I think you just need to bring it home, brother. Okay. On high may merit be pleaded upon them and upon us for a safeguard of peace. May we receive a blessing from Adonai and just kindness from the God of our salvation and find favor and good understanding in the eyes of God and man. The compassionate one, may he cause us to inherit the day that will be completely a Sabbath and a rest day for eternal life. The compassionate one, may he make us worthy of the days of Messiah Yeshua and the life of the world to come. Amen. He who is the tower of salvations to his king and does kindness for his anointed to David and to his descendants forever. He who makes peace in his heights, may he make peace upon us and upon all Israel. Now respond. Amen. Amen. Let's do it together. Fear Adonai, you, his holy ones, for there is no deprivation for his reverent ones. The young lions may want and hunger, but those who seek Adonai will not lack any good. Give thanks to Adonai, for he is good, his kindness endures forever. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Blessed is the man who trusts in Adonai, and Adonai will be his security. I was a youth and also of age, and I have not seen a righteous man forsaken, with his children begging for bread. Adonai will give might to his people, and I will bless his people with peace. Amen. I just want you to know that the last paragraph normally is, is for an old guy like me. And none of you young guys. But, yeah, it works for you. Okay, there we go. Bam! And the man, I'll put him up. No, sir. Set up, please. No, sir. No. Nice. You got these. I'll take that from you. Okay. So you guys are new with this. Um, normally we've got a whole bunch of families and, and Gregory and or Joshua. Actually Joshua was doing it for, I was doing it for a while then I, I passed it to Joshua to lead the uh, portion of the session. And with Richard uh, here, praise God, um, he passed it to, uh, to Gregory for a time. Uh, I've asked to have permission. I'm sorry? That time is ending. Yeah, indeed. Waning, as they say, yes, like the moon. Uh, so while it's waning, I've uh, asked permission from uh, Gregory to just read Shabbos Shuva, Hosea 14, Joel 2, and Micah 7 uh, to you because I wanted to I wanted to read it in the in the Gutnik uh, because you guys probably don't have the privilege of reading it in the Gutnik. Well, some of you don't. Some of us do. But it ministered to my heart this week, and 
I just think it's so cool. And quite frankly, this, uh, this is a unique time in all of the year where God himself looks to us with a longing, wondering if we will repent and look to him in repentance. The haftar is what I'm looking at, yeah. So if you've got a uh, gutnik like me, you're on page 290. Is it 290 on yours? 290. How about that? Hmm. And even though yours is ginormous and mine is so cute. The there it is. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, again, I, just from a community perspective, just so we're clear. The sages teach, I think the apostolic scriptures completely support that on, on Yom Teruah, on the day of blowing, on the first of Tishri, God opens the books to, just to see how we do it. And uh, within seven days, he will close those books and what is in there will be sealed. And he offers this opportunity for us to repent and to make right. Israel, return to God your God. For you have stumbled on account of your sins. You do not need to take sacrifices. Just take words of confession with you and return to God. Say to him, lift away all sin and accept our promises for good behavior in the future. Let the confession of our lips be in place of the sacrificing of bulls. We will no longer ask to be saved by Assyria. We will not put our trust in riding powerful horses into battle. We will never again call the idol made by our hands our God, because we know that the orphan finds compassion through you alone. Then after they confess, I will forgive them for their rebelliousness. I will love them deeply. Because my anger will have turned away from them, my love for Israel will be perpetual, like dew. He will blossom like a rose, and his roots will be spread like the roots of a cedar from Lebanon. His young leaves will spread out. He will be like a beautiful. He will be beautiful like an olive tree. He will have the aroma of Lebanon. Those who sat in his shade will be peaceful. They will be peacefully self-sufficient, like grain which sustains life, and they will blossom like the vine. Their fame will be like that of the wine of Lebanon. When Ephraim asks, "What do I, what do I need idolaters for anymore?" I will answer all his requests and look over and supervise his needs. I will attend to him like a fresh cypress tree which bends its head over its roots. The fruit of your success comes from me. Whoever is wise will understand these words. The discerning will recognize them, for the ways of God are straight, and the righteous will walk in them, but the wicked will stumble in them. God makes his voice heard through the prophets before his army of locusts arrive. His camp is extremely large, and those who carry out his word on a mission of destruction are awesome. The day of destruction from God is great and very formidable. Who can endure it? Yet even now, God says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and lamenting. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to God your God. For he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, very kind, and renounces bad decrees. Let anyone who knows what sin he has done repent and regret. Then when the locusts come, they will not destroy, but rather leave behind a blessing from which to bring a meal offering and a wine libation to God your God. 
sound a shofar in Sion to awake the people to repent. Announce a fast, call an assembly, gather the people, instruct the congregation to fast, bring together the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes to groom. He does become angry. He does not, not maintain his anger forever because he is a lover of kindness. He will once again have mercy on us. Did I, did I mess yeah, up? Yeah, he's he, 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 Oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. The groom should leave his room and the bride and chupa to participate. They should not rejoice. Let the priests, the ministers of God, cry out between the hall and the altar. Let them say, God, have pity on your people. Do not allow your inheritance, your people, to be shamed by letting nations rule over them. When they come to beg for food after the locusts destroy everything they have, why should the nation say, where is their God? Then, when you repent, God will become jealous for his land and have pity on his people. God will respond and say to his people, from now on, I will send you grain, wine, and oil, and it will satisfy you. I will no longer let you be shamed among the nations. I will distance from you the locusts that have come from the north and drive them to their death in a barren and desolate land. I will send the first locust that came to the salt sea in the east and the last locust to, to the western sea. The stench of the dead locusts will go up and its odor will rise, for there, will, there were many locusts ready to do harm. Do not be afraid, land of Israel, that the locusts may return. Rather, be glad and rejoice, because God has decided from now on to do many great things. Do not be afraid of the animals of the field that pasture may be lacking, because the pastures in the wilderness have sprouted. Even trees which need much more rain than pasture have borne their fruit, and the fig tree and vine have produced their yield. Rejoice and be happy with God your God, children of Zion because he has given you the early rain as charity and not according to what you deserve. He caused the early and late rain to fall in the first part of the season. The granaries will be filled with grain and the vats will ring with the noise of flowing wine and oil. I will repay you for your losses in the years that were consumed by the different species of locust, Arbe, Yelek, Kassil, and Gazam. My mighty arm, which I sent against you, then you will eat and be satisfied and praise the name of, your, of God, your God, who performs such wondrous acts. My people will never be ashamed again by being forced to live in other lands due to lack of food. Then you will know that I am in Israel's midst, that I am God, your God, and there is no other. My people will never be shamed again. Who is like you, O God? forgiving iniquity and overlooking transgression for those who remain of his heritage after the birth fangs of Mashiach, even as our master taught, even when he does become angry, he does not maintain his anger forever because he is a lover of kindness. He will once again have mercy on us. He will grasp our iniquities, preventing them from being held against us and cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Give to us the fulfillment of the true words that you spoke to Yaakov and the words of loving kindness you spoke to Abraham, which you promised our fathers long ago at the Akeda. This just ministered to my heart this week that we're in that time where you actually can go right to God and say, I messed up, and have him fix it. 
That's not to say you can't do that throughout the year, but his ear is most attentive in these seven days, ten days, between the first of Tishri and the tenth of Tishri. And I just thought that these passages that the sages chose were just perfect. So I want to encourage you. Um, now's the time. Your walk's been crummy. Your walk's been great. Doesn't matter. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The 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 Messianic believer Yochanan Hamakvil and Yochanan, the half brother of Yeshua, both understood. Choose the Messiah. And he wants us to be a part of his family. All we have to do is confess our sins. And he'll bring us home. And we'll have a relationship that is sold out according to the way to go. So I just want to encourage you. That's maybe I just sin more than the rest of you, but you know, I'm feeling pretty good about these passages. So. Mm. Thanks. Thanks for that. Before I forget, I'll just do the quick bracha before studying Torah. There you go, another bracha. Yeah. There's always a blessing. Yeah. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Amen. Amen. I mean, well, I really like the, uh, the model set forth by, uh, by Joshua, uh, where we talk about something with the kids first. Good. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna, I have, I just have a couple questions and then a little bit of a lesson. Okay. So the first question is, can anyone tell me that right before Moshe died, he told someone else that they needed to bring the people into the land? Do you remember who that was? Who was that? The children of Israel. The children of Israel were the ones that were going into the land. But remember, we talked about this leader. last night. There was a leader. That's correct. Joshua. It was Joshua. Yeah. Great job. Exactly. Moshe couldn't go into the land, so he needed Joshua to take the people into the land. Does anybody remember why Moshe couldn't go into the land? Because he disobeyed something. He disobeyed something. That's very close. Here's what he disobeyed. Way back in the Torah, there was a time when God told him, in order to give water to the people, speak to the rock. And to it what? To the water. Rock? Speak, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. But what did Moshe what did he do? do? He hit the rock. He hit it. Yes. And because of that, might not even seem that serious, but because of that, God said, oh, all right, you disobeyed. And no matter how many times Moshe asked him, please let me go to the land, God said, no, Joshua will be the one to take them over there. But at the very end of his life, God let him see the land. Remember that? He took him up on a high mountain, and he said, look over there. That's the land where I'm going to take these people. So that Moshe was happy before he died. So 
that is, uh, those were my questions. Great job, everyone. I'm so glad that you remember. It's important to remember how those things happen because we'll read later in the book of Joshua all about how Joshua took the people into the land of Israel. And this is how that all began. So, a little lesson for us. And this is, I, I, this whole portion is a very interesting one. It's very poetic. There's a lot of poetic things in it. But one of the things that I think is easy for kids to understand is this whole concept of how Hashem is like an eagle. So, I don't know if anybody has seen an eagle in real life. Has anybody seen an eagle in real life? At the beach, I did. No, that's a seagull. I think that was a seagull, but that was very close. Yes, it was still a bird. That's a, a good point. So, so think, of an, think of a seagull and then think of like 10 times bigger. It's, eagles are huge, right? But they do the exact same thing as other birds, which is they have their eggs and they have little eagles and they do things like teach them how to fly. Well, one of the things that the Torah talks about is how God is just like the mother eagle that takes care of her little eagles. God, it says, will hold his wings over his children to make sure that they don't get rained on or that other birds don't try to come and get them or that nothing will come, no harm will come to them. And so he's a very, very caring and loving father, just like our parents are to us. They, they take care of us too. They make sure we don't run into the street. They make sure that we don't fall into the pool before we can, before we can swim. They are also our protectors. And then there's something else that's kind of cool there too. And it says that he spreads his wings, taking them, carrying them safely. So there's this other concept about teaching them the right ways, right? So just like our parents teach us the right ways, it talks about how God teaches us the right ways too by using his Torah. He gave us his Torah so that we can learn how to do the right thing. So that way, just like an eagle learns to fly and then he'll be able to be safe even without that protection, we, we also need to learn the Torah so that we always walk in the ways of truth. Nice. <laughs> so, we can jump right into Ha'azinu. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, I was just going to say. I mean, can we can we comment on your office? Oh, of course. Children's garage. I find I get a lot out of the children's garage. I don't know if the other guys. How do you take? Yeah, isn't it good stuff? Yeah, and I'm like, this is at my level. I like this. <laughs> right. Um, as an adult, I think we we have trouble answering the question you ask the kids. You know, like, what what did Moshe do that lost him the opportunity? And, you know, I've struggled with, you know, maybe he lost his opportunity for the world to come, but the, that's not the case. He just lost the opportunity to actually go into the land of people. So, you know, we don't have to worry about that part. Um, but, I don't know, I just think about it. It's just a big play on the world stage. And, you know, here's the final act of Hamlet, and the guy goes off script, and that appears to be what happened. You know, I'm, I'm teaching my people about the Mashiach. He hits the rock. That's like a phrase that we all need to go, He hit the rock, water came out of the rock. 
What does hitting a rock imply? Mashiach is going to die. We got another opportunity, almost like the second coming of the Mashiach in the story. And he hits the rock again. And 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 God's up there like, that's not in the script. He doesn't die twice. He comes twice. The first time he gets struck. The second time he just gives water to the people. Out of Zion will flow the Torah. Hello, you blew the you messed up the play. And I get it. So I I I see it now. It's not a permanent exile from the whole people or anything like that. It's just like you can't go into the land because you messed up. I, I trusted you to, to follow the script and you, you, you blew it. I was trying to build a perfect parallel of what my son would do later on and, and you, 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 you blew it. I can't believe you blew it. You know, <coughs> Costumes were all in line, the music was set, the drums were good and you, you, you blew it. You know? yeah. um, so I, every time you bring it up and teach the kids, what you just did, I just feel like I need to remember it's a parallel. And he blew the parallel. Yeah. That that was the big deal. And I'm good with it now. I understand. Yeah. I yeah. get it. You mentioned that he brought him up to the mountain and told him, you know, here, you can look at it. You can't go in, but you can look at it. But if I recall correctly, he brought him up that up on that high mountain. And he is to the east of the land, outside, the other side of Jordan. And he's looking due west at the land. And he tells him, look that way, look that way, look that way, and look that way. And see all the land that I'm going to give to Israel. That's weird. Yeah. 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 That I think that speaks of the ultimate redemption after mm -hmm. Messiah comes. And yeah. you you've got a spiritual thing going on there like, hmm. Wait a minute. He says that he's gonna give the non Jew who joins himself, Isaiah, right? To 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 God's people land. I, I thought he I thought he already gave away all the land to his own people. I've just been adopted, you know, like I'm a nobody. I'm gonna get land? I think you're out of land. Ah, oh, but there's more land. Yeah, yeah. Kind of mm -hmm. So these are these are cool things that um, throughout the Torah portion through the year yeah. we, we expand upon more. Yeah. But here at the end, you're right. There's there's these cool things where yeah, you can't go in. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's in Ezekiel where he outlines how far and how wide that and it's dramatically really larger mm -hmm. yeah. than what it is right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. And larger than what he said he was going to give David. Yeah. Maybe that's because he had another flock he was bringing in. Hmm. Joshua's yeah. here. Well that's non Jews. You know this this week's reading, you know, um, Shabbat Shuba, we heard it a little bit in here, we hear it a little bit with uh, going and getting other nations to, you know, mm. um, that, that are going to make you jealous. Other nations are going to come in, and you know, and that the uh, apostolic scripture portion is from Romans, and part of it is Romans 11. It's like 
uh, Romans 10, 17 through like 11, 12 or something like that. And then there's a couple other verses from Romans. But if whoever came up with that matching saw how important that is, you know. Uh, so that's those are really really good points. I, one of the one of the things that was interesting about this portion that I'm really like, because you know we we try to come up with like a theme, right? Like what's the theme of this portion? And aside from essentially being able to summarize this portion with like the 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 entire Torah is basically like if you if you do what the Torah says, life. If you don't, a lot of bad stuff will happen. And especially a lot of bad stuff will happen if you continue doing that and don't repent. And, and that's kind of what the song is, but there's, there's one thing that I just, I, it's really bothering me, this whole portion, and it's this concept of like, this is the song of Moshe, right? And we, we always think like, okay, what, why, why do we sing something? And a, a lot of people will say, well, it's so that you remember it better. You can remember songs a little bit better. In fact, uh, for the kids, I, I forgot to mention this before, but it was funny because, you know, this is the song of Moses. I still, I was like probably four or five years old, and I still remember my parents putting on, you know, the Donut Man or one of those Christian uh, shows, and they had like this one little song, this, these puppets did this song for Hebrews eleven six. I have never forgotten yeah. that. Yeah, it was like this little like, Hebrews eleven six without faith. It's impossible to yes. please yeah. God. Let me hear it now. You know, I just, just that was the whole thing. Wait, listen, remember? And I, yeah. Remember Joshua? Oh, yeah. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Right. Yeah, yeah, you can't forget Joshua it. Yeah, you really can't forget it. And and so, but but what's interesting about this, so this is the song. This is supposed to be really easy to remember. This is supposed to be something that everybody memorizes and they teach it to their children. Why is it so deep and poetic? Like, I, I, you would have expected this to be a pretty straightforward song. And one short. that, and, and, and short even, yes. But, but one that was, like, concise, to the point. This one has such, like, flowery language to it. And the commentators, I think it's uh, Rashi and, and also Rabbi Jonathan Sachs point out, like, man, this is, like, this has actually baffled translators for years because of how difficult some of these Hebrew words are to translate into English. Because they're very poetic, they just don't make a lot of sense without knowing the context in Hebrew and all that. So it's, well, on the one hand, it's beneficial for sure to have some of the Hebraic translations that we have nowadays because they, they fit a little bit better with the, with the translation, with, with what the actual Hebrew says. But I've just been thinking about that, right? But then it, it hit me, it's like, you know, we could have said the exact same thing about every time Yeshua opened his mouth. And he tells us why. Why do we need to speak to them in parables, right? Mm -hmm. And it, I feel like that answer that he gives is probably the answer in this case, too. That's so cool. You know? Because it's like, this, it, it feels a little bit like a, a parable. Yeah. You know? It's, it's just, it's, it's obscure in some places, and, and it's got all these interesting analogies. Yeah. I mean, even the eagle one, right? And, and, and not that, I, I think they're all really cool, and this translation in particular that I've been reading yeah. really helps a lot. But when you try to read in the ESV, it's even more confusing. Um, so, so and I, it's I supposed to be the song that stops them from making the, all these bad things come to pass? Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. I'm glad we got this then. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, we just see, we see that Yeshua speaks to them in parables and, and you know, they, they ask him like, you know, why do you speak to the people in parables? You know? And it's like, he's got this whole concept of like, when things need to be revealed, you know, how people need to like 
dig for it, right? And it's like, I, I kind of think about that sometimes too in, in parenting. You know, it's like sometimes the best uh, form of discipline is when you don't tell them what it is. You just let them think about it. Like, something will happen if you do that. And you're like, what, what will happen? You know, it's like that curiosity or something that almost like what prompts you to want to dig more. And I feel like that's, that's part of why this is this way. I think you the know? other part is the Second Corinthians three thing that we studied a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. where God has deliberately put a veil over the Torah that yeah. they might not see, because if they see, they would immediately be saved. They would immediately understand. Oh, it's Yeshua. Hello. Yeah. But that can't happen because if yeah. that happens, bam, we get we get Messiah comes back and it's it's done. Yeah. And you and I lose our opportunity. Yeah, and this is the this is a miniature has to come in. And this whole song is a miniature playing out of that. Yes, it's exactly yes. right. And then it's cool that this we this particular year we read all the Shabbat Shuva um, readings as well. Because I mean, all that you just read, we hear about the the end result of that. It's not all all. It's not always going to be that way. He's not always right. going to have his back to his people or or forsaking his people, letting the enemies overtake his people. There's. Forgiveness coming. Yeah, there's there's yeah. redemption coming for sure. I was reading in yes, the interlinear version, going through the Hebrew and looking at the Hebrew words, and it it had in the commentary some of these Hebrew words. It's like, oh, look at the root word of this. Like, drop like raindrops may my teaching. And this lachai was from to take lachak. Take these words of my teaching and apply those. Wow. You know, and then there was Even this. dropping like rain. Yeah. Grab it. it was this symbolism of what you should do with it. And there was the deeper thing of inheritance, nahalat, or something like that, was literally a rope because they would use a rope to show the border. But then, uh, until you see the Hebrew, you're like, I had no idea that it went that deep and showed that much there. Yeah. You know? Texture to the yeah. words, so you can feel it now and My understand. Word. I got My. yeah. This is nice. all that I worked yeah. out for you. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. that is really neat. I, I know this. Uh, this the, it kicks things off, you know, with with making sure that we we understand that there are witnesses to this song, you know. And I think that we we've, we've heard this before in the Torah, right? Like Moshe calls heaven and earth to witness against the children of Israel to know that they need to uphold the Torah. And even if you think that nobody's watching, heaven and heaven earth are witnesses against you. And so, you know, how, how much more we, we need our Savior, right, to, to rescue us. Because, I mean, there's no hiding from heaven and earth. I mean, that's where we are. So the, uh, the other interesting thing, in addition to the fact that it was a poem, was, I, and I was just, I'm still kind of, I'm looking for, for some other help here from, from the other men, but I heard this many years ago, and, and I still didn't really, I still don't really grasp it fully, but it's this whole concept of the fact that Ha'azinu is also something, and, and Jews, I mean, you, any Orthodox Jew would know this, Ha'azinu is apparently like the portion for the businessman. It's like the guy who is who he owns his own business or he participates in business and commerce, you know, not just a Torah scholar, but like that, like this, if anything, if he should memorize anything, he will be successful in all his dealings if he memorizes Ha'azinu. And I, I caught that again in my commentary. And that was from Rabbi Yitzhak, uh, Yosef Yitzhak of Lubavitch. He said, if businessmen realized what benefit would actually, this would actually bring, they would be more careful about doing it, this uh, particular song and the memorization of the song. And 
I haven't really heard a great explanation as to why, but I had a couple thoughts come to mind. So one was, one of the things that I do think that this song really helps with is that anticipation and, and like almost like a revealing of, okay, what happens if this happens? You know, and then what happens after that happened? So after you, you did something wrong and then punishment came, now what happens after that? You know? So it, it gives you a little bit of a, an insight into the, the progression of consequences. And from, from a business standpoint, there's like a really famous book by Seth Godin called The Dip. And it's just this whole concept of how like every single business is going to undergo dips. And the first one is usually the one that most businesses fail at. They, and they don't stick through it past the dip and, and come back out on the other side. They're no longer there. And they're no longer there, right. That's why whatever it is, 90% of small right. businesses fail, just some big number like that. But I thought, oh man, that's, that's potentially one explanation as to how this could apply. Because of how this description goes into that, that the, these, these valleys, these moments where the people are, are really in a bad place. But then it also describes the coming out of that. Yeah. And we go again into verses like we just read about the eagle. You know, always, always, they're always being protection. They're always being sustenance and support coming from Hashem. And how that can be the inspiring thing that gets you through those tough times in business. But yes, yes, sir. So we're, we're odd, I would say, in the, in the IT support business in that uh, we make it clear who we are, how we live, and we try to express early on, before we know who we're working for, or who we may work for, that we want to obey God's laws. So I'll often give them, you know, give them an example and, and say, for example, you, you may you may think you could buy Microsoft Office for 247 bucks, which is a license for one computer, and then you may want to ask us to install this on four or five more computers. We'll say no, and you may wonder why, but we would simply ask you. Do you really desire that God would, would withdraw his hand of blessing from your business for 247 bucks? We don't see the value there. We don't, you know, it doesn't, the numbers don't add. So you don't want to ask us to do that. And if we find that you've done that, we'll call you on it. And then we'll drop you as a client. So if that's the kind of partner you want, one that will protect your hand of blessing from God, then you probably want to do business with us. But if you want to will and deal and do the best you can to save whatever number of dimes you can, then we're obviously not the partner for you. And I, I, I think that's the same kind of, kind of deal. I don't know if it works with the song of Zeno, but that's, that's it. That's good. No, that's good. <coughs> I've heard, what has God been doing since the six days of creation? Well, he's been building ladders, raising some people up and lowering down some people. 
And that's what he's gonna do. That concept, we see it everywhere, right? I mean, even in the song that we did this, this morning that, that, uh, or, um, that we prayed in, in Shakarit, you know, the uh, Israt, it's right at the end, you know, it, it talks about that, like that he'll humble the, haut, uh, humble the haughty and lift the lowly, withdraw the captive, liberate the humble, right? It's like th- that concept. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's just there's all these different kinds of people, and some of them need to do it. Blah, 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 blah. You know, but that, and I feel like to the poor, because you never know if that's one of your family members that, you know, you want to take care of them because there could be a poor person in a generation of your family somewhere. Yeah. So absolutely take care of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. We, we brought this up too, Jonathan, about the, uh, the rain and the dew, like let my Torah teaching drip like rain and let my words flow like dew. The, uh. The Gutnik Kumash had a really cool little drosh about like the rain and dew, and and I, I thought about it before I read this a little bit different, but um, so this is kind of talking about you know both being a source of nourishment, right? Rain and dew, um, and the rain is is kind of a uh, the the concept of that. Okay, so yeah, it says uh, the particip- precipitation of rain is thus dependent on prior evaporation from the earth. Dew, by contrast, never ceases according to Tanis 3b, and appears spontaneously, regardless of the amount of water which is being evaporated from the earth. So then it's like rain represents the influx of godliness, which is bestowed from above, and this is a direct uh, a direct response to the efforts of man. So our keeping of mitzvot, the blessings that result from that, are represented by the rain. And dew, on the other hand, alludes to that which God bestows unconditionally, disproportionately to man's efforts. And I think that's that's a really neat way of describing both of those, you know, how the Torah sort of functions in this world. Because I sort of feel like the dew is, is almost, uh, almost reminds me of that concept of there always being a certain number of righteous men that are sustaining the world. And uh, in, in the commentary about um, Ezekiel, where he says, like, well, you know, there, there's no one else. There's no one. No, no righteous person. Uh, where was that? Was that, in, was that in the Gutnik that I read that? Or it may have been... Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is pointing that out, but but the response is that there is a remnant set aside always that of, of righteous people, you know, and uh, even the concept of the the um, minion comes from this whole idea of Abraham saying, "All right, there's just ten righteous people. Will you please not destroy the city?" And unfortunately, there wasn't ten at that time, but we always pray that there will be ten. Yes, if you want. As a man, some idea in the back of your head that I should not sin. Aside from loving God and wanting to do right and wanting to be the best husband you can be, you know, you know, there's 35,000 different reasons why we should not sin. But if you want one that should just give you a shiver and cause you to flee from idolatry lust, and anything else that we're always dealing with. How many righteous men are on the world at all the time? 43? 36. 36. It was close. Yeah. 36. I was counting some extra friends. All right. So, 36. So, he's got 35. Think about it. You're about to sin 
suppose you are the 36th. And he's specifically chosen you. Bam! The whole world goes into flames and destruction. Because he only had 35. Because you blew it. And to me, that's just an amazing thought that even though I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere in the class of people who count, but you, you might be there. Not yet. We're all working toward it. But, yeah. It, the Lomitov is just a tradition. It is just a tradition. But you don't know the God really counts. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It, 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 but it's, we, know, we know he does keep a remnant. He does. Yes. And if, right. if you're the last, well, text if you're the last one in the remnant, yeah. 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 It's like, oh, even he blew it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. So, well. Yeah. Um, oh, going, yes. Going back just a little bit to your words, or like, well, I wanted to say it was like rain. It's like dew. Well, let my Torah teaching drip like rain, and it made me think about how his Torah has come down, but that that dew that evaporates back up looks to me inside my life as the reviving of the dead back up too. I know later on we'll get to a portion where it talks about the reviving yeah, of the dead. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's already alluding to it a little bit here that it does go back to right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I know, the way that I was kind of thinking about the rain and the dew was sort of like, because we all kind of know, we, we all can recognize the the rain pretty easily, you know, and I thought about it as like those are the the really obvious blessings from Hashem, you know, where you, you can just tell her like, wow, that was a blessing, but then it's like, but the dew it just kind of happens, yeah. you know, and, and it, in most cases it just it's happening every day, and I kind of thought about it as those those little miracles that we don't necessarily see as miracles because they happen every day, and sometimes it just it you just take a moment and you go. Just the other day, Morgan and I were just saying, wow, our kids haven't been sick in like a really long time. What a blessing. Yeah. Like, like, like every single day that they didn't get sick, that was like a little blessing. You yeah. know? Sort of like the dude. It's like you hardly notice it, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that came from Hashem, though. Like he's he protecting us and he's keeping us healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would go so far as to say that most people don't even recognize or notice that there is even do there. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have to take my wife's recycle bin, Compost. Compost bin. Out to the compost bin. <laughs> and I gotta walk through the dew. And my toms are completely soaked because of the dew. I wouldn't have the opportunity to recognize, oh yeah, he actually provided dew again this morning. It's I I think dew is mostly lost on most people, especially in the city. You you I got it out of my mouth. Yeah, I yeah. you know. <laughs> it's interesting though that the manna was likened to do. Mm. In the same way yeah, do something. Just, just, uh, the manna would just show up. You know, it's like yeah. you if you don't notice it, you wouldn't notice it was there. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So I, I think it's significant. Absolutely. As we kind of move forward, uh, one of the neat, neat things that I, I got very excited about was here in verse Seven of 32. Remember the days gone by when God punished the wicked. Reflect upon the years of one generation and another. Ask your father and he will tell you 
about days gone by, ask your elders and they will inform you what the early generations did. The, uh, the commentary here is so neat because it's, it's talking about how you learn about Mashiach in the world to come. Because it says, ask your father, you know, about one generation to another. According to Rashi, one generation to another is a reference to the days of Mashiach and then the world to come. So it's like, you know, and, uh, and it's just neat because he says, here we see that a father should educate his child about the concept of Mashiach and not leave the child to just pick up the knowledge of, uh, of the matter by himself. Like they normally do about sex. Yes, yes, right. And, uh, and this was so neat to me because a couple things. So one, one person that I've met that has really done such a great job of this and has been a great example for Morgan and I has been the McDonald family. I hope they're listening because they have really done such an excellent job of like even early on making sure that before they could even say Yeshua, they just made sure that, that, that Yeshua was the forefront of their, their keeping of the festivals and as they read and as they prayed. And I thought that was just it's so spectacular. We had a fantastic discussion with them uh, when they were here about some of the practical implications of that, you know? Like what, what sort of concepts do you start with early on so that we're introducing Mashiach, introducing Yeshua early, but yet aren't going, you know, like uh, and he rose from the dead which is why you know his blood provides forgiveness of sins and you know transubstantiation and you know, any any of the, the nine dollar words um, the, and so here uh, th I think this is this is just a neat concept because it, it, it talks about just even if it's like just talking about the world to come like a little concept of the world to come the kids can grasp that that would like make them excited you should, you should just start with that you know and this made me very happy because at the end it said, um, rather, when still very young, a child should be taught to cry out earnestly and enthusiastically, we, we want, want Mashiach now. Amen. Amen to that. Yes. And uh, I, I, when I read this, uh, it almost made me cry because my, my wife has early, early on taught our children that uh, at a very special moment when a woman has just lit the candles but hasn't actually done the, brach, the bracha yet, there's tradition that says that it's a very special moment for a woman to, to ask for something or to just say a little prayer in her heart before she, before she says the bracha. And my wife has, has essentially taught her children to, right before the bracha, but right after the candle lighting, to say, we want Mashiach now, and we always say that every Shabbat. And it, it makes me very, very pleased to see that. Uh, that is, it's a neat little concept. Exactly, Sophia. It's important to remember. So, starting small, I think this is just such a neat thing for all of us that we can take away. It's just, even starting small, we need to be re rebuilding on the, this important aspect of our faith. Amen. Yes. I, I, you know, you and I were talking in the kitchen earlier that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say the Sunday school teacher should, <laughs> yeah. should do this, or, or the pastor should do this. It doesn't even say the mom should do this. Um, which is why we're so big on being uh, big on the, on a patriarchal thing and responsibility of the men. And that's why we have a men of Torah class and we don't have a women of Torah class um, because we expect that there's, you know, 15 or 20 different women of Torah classes going on in their homes because their, their husbands are teaching it. But uh, that truly is the focus of Tuesday nights is that the men would learn the scriptures and I, I get, 
Yeah. It, it hadn't happened uh, recently because, you know, the, the guys are pretty much the same guys have been in class for years. But uh, it is neat on a Shabbat morning and, you know, a woman will arrive and I'll be sitting there getting ready to do the prayers or put on my tallit or something like that. And she'll lean over and whisper to me and, and say, uh, uh, I just want you to know that my husband came home Tuesday night and we didn't get to bed until 11.30 because he was so excited about what he had learned and he had to share it with me <laughs> that night. And it's impacted our families since then. And, and to me, that's what it's all about. Impacts the entire week. Yeah, exactly right. That we're we're teaching men and men are teaching their families and and their their wives are communicating those truths to their kids and it's cool. Mm. So uh, everything everything you just thought is absolutely correct, mm -hmm. but to focus the fact that it says ask your father, mm -hmm. not ask your mother, not ask the, the deacon in the church, not ask the elder, not ask the pastor. There's no Hebrew wordplay. It's your father. Ask your yeah. father. That's it. <laughs> it's astonishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as uh, as we keep going here, you know, we see just over and over again, like these, uh, the the reiteration of exactly what you were saying, uh, Dad, before about how Shabbat is a memorial of the Exodus from Egypt and of creation. Creation, exactly. And I, I we we see the the Exodus from Egypt even come up you know, in here too. And I could even see the applicability to that in business as well. You know, and even if we don't own our own, own, our own businesses, just that, that feeling of, you know, slavery or that feeling of being under oppression or, or, you know, having to do things that maybe you don't necessarily want to do or, or don't take joy in, in doing, you know, seeing how Hashem has rescued his people in other times can, can really provide encouragement. And uh, so, I'm, I'm, you know, as we read through it again with that lens, thinking like, how could this apply to work as men, as in our business right, lives? Right. You know, I think some of these things can really can really help. And then, you know, one of the other cool things that Tim Hanks said this week was the uh, in chapter 15. I'm sorry, in verse 15, 32, 15, where it uses a different word for Israel, where it says, "But Yeshurun became fat and oh, yeah, Yeshurun. Yeah, so I've, I've heard, you know, some teaching about that in the past, and uh, but Tim Hagg does a great job of sort of summarizing, like, that, that name and, and its origin, and, uh, and I thought I would just kind of bring up a couple of those points, because it's, it's unique that he uses that word out of all of them here. So it says, uh, essentially, that, that name for Israel is, uh, is derived, it, so it's formed on the verb yeshar, to be upright, and uh, it's that that could potentially be one of the uh, original meaning, like the original words before even Yisrael came came around. Uh, but this was the cool point. He said that the this particular name is only found four times in the Tanakh. All four, well, so three of them are in Deuteronomy, and one of them is in Isaiah. And he says in each case. The name Yeshurun is in the context of God's care for Israel and his covenant relationship with her. 
Thus, its appearance in this song stresses the fact that Israel should be forever grateful for all the mercies shown to her by the Almighty, and thus highlights how dreadful it is that she instead despises his acts of kindness. And grew fat in her belly. Exactly. But I just, that, that just, you know, even something so small like that, just a little difference in the word used carries with it such an impactful point that is being made here. Again, going back to that whole idea of the parable, someone else might just read right through that. But, but those of us that, you know, Baruch Hashem have been, you know, had, had somewhat of our eyes opened to the scriptures, we, we kind of stop and go, whoa, that's an interesting word used there. That's an interesting name. And then, of course, we have great, we're great uh, studiers like Tim Hegg to kind of flush that out a little bit for us and realize, oh, wow, only four other times in all scripture. You know, this is really interesting that all the times mentioned, it's in the context of God's care, because that, you know, it really drives home that point about how, and this also reminds me of the Birkat Havazon. You know, this is this is the missing that opportunity to bless God when you've been satisfied. This is the exact opposite of that. You, you became really satisfied to the point of gluttony almost, and you completely forsook your God. And of, of course, a, a great warning to all of us uh, as we have partaken of God's blessing, not only in our country, but in our, in our town even. You know, we live in a great city, a great town, and, uh, and also in our, in our business lives, that not to ever forget from whence that came. Amen. You know, you, you've, uh, Joshua, I mean, uh, stop it, Joshua. Um, <laughs> Jonathan, you, you, you brought up the Hebrew and you're looking at that, and Jeshurun and Yisrael, if you look at them in Hebrew, are extraordinarily close, right? Um, if, I mean, if you're looking at them, there's only like one or two letters different. And like you were saying, Gregory, it's it's just so close, just ever so slightly different, to give you a slightly different perspective. Mm. Um, if you're if you're in the room with me, you can see on the right hand side here, the vast majority of this page is little tiny scribble that you can barely make out. I can tell you, even if you're wearing your glasses and you're that close, you can barely make it out because it's Rashi script. This is Rashi's take on these passages. And most people don't realize that while this is a cool volume, there's a couple of times where Rashi jumps in and they will not translate what he said. They leave it in the Rashi script and there is, there is no there's, there's no translation of what he said. It's like, if you can't read it, you don't deserve to know it. Because you're not with us, obviously. So I'm, I'm surprised at how much Rashi script there is just on the passage that you just went over. Mm. And uh, just a little bit off, either for good or for bad. It seems to make a big difference here. Yeah. And that just your own thing is, or Yeshurun, actually, uh, in the Hebrew, is uh, evidently woke Rashi up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But there's something that I was reading up to now, and I can't find it whatsoever now, but it was like the Yeshurun. It, it comes from Yeshar, the upright ones. But I also thought it alluded to something of like a seer. Like, did you guys read any of that somewhere to where those that also saw. 
this year or in previous years? <laughs> These years, when I saw that, previous years, possibly, because it sounds familiar. Yeah. But bottom line is, again, okay. you, you change one letter, you make it look just very 